Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, please. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. I'm not going to use that outline, Brother Judge, uh, for the screen. Proverbs chapter 8. Well, it's good to see some back that have been traveling over the Christmas holidays, and we're glad that you're in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, I've been, as you can tell once in a while, I'm struggling with that whole, should I get bifocals or not? And I I'm fighting it. I don't want to. And uh, some days I need them. Some days I don't. So some Sundays you see me do this. And it helps. And, uh, some, but I never know when it's going to happen. So uh, my mom gave me an Amazon gift card for Christmas. So I went and got a super giant print Bible. And somebody else was asking about those. And so I shared. I said, look, well, here's, here's what they look like. Here's how big the print is. And they said, well, if you can't read it some Sunday, just hold it up. Because everybody in the room can see that. <laughs> So, a little bit insulting, but okay. Proverbs chapter 8. So, I'm hoping that'll solve some problems and I can put off the bifocals for another year, maybe. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. I prepared two different messages for this morning, and uh, the Lord just, I don't know, just couldn't get settled on either. And uh, when I was preparing them, I thought that's what the Lord wanted. And uh, so, I'd appreciate your prayers as I'm going to go in a different direction, just some. Things God was working in my heart this morning, and, and I woke up early and uh, came in. Um, it, was, it was still warm when I came in, so I don't know when the weather changed, but it got cold out there now. And uh, so I came in early and started praying and reading, and I begged my wife if I could miss Sunday school. Uh, I helped her in her class and, and, uh, so that I could pray some more. And this is just something the Lord has burned my heart about. And so I just want to share it with you this morning. And I, I don't have the three points in the introduction and the clean conclusion and all the rest. And, and, but it is something that's in my heart and I, want to, I just want to share it with you. So Proverbs chapter 8, let's start there. Proverbs chapter 8, and we have some scriptures we'll look at. And uh, we'll do, try to mind the Lord this morning. I, I don't mean to say that I'm just winging it. I've, I've, through my prayer, I've written down some ideas and some scriptures and some thoughts and and uh, prayed over it, and so I, I trust this is what the Lord wants. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Why don't we, why don't we read that aloud together? Why don't we do that? Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. If you don't have your Bible, I could hold mine up, and you could read it. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, let's read it together. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Let's pray. Father, help us. Lord, I've been so thrilled and enthralled about the thoughts of Christ in our music this morning. It ought to be our focal point, no matter where we are in the Bible, what principles we're trying to teach and preach, that we always come back to what Paul said to the Corinthians, we preach Christ crucified. Lord, no matter where we start, may we make a beeline to the cross. May we be sure that always Jesus is high and lifted up. And Lord, I pray that you'd awaken us this morning to a few thoughts. Lord, as you've been dealing with my heart, and, and really that's what this is about, maybe the message is for me. But I pray, Lord, that you would awaken us to these thoughts today of Scripture, that the Holy Spirit of God may put them in our hearts. 
It's not about the preacher. It's about the Word of God. It's not about crafting a message. It's about who the message is about. Lord, I pray that we never get in the mindset where we're going to hear some preacher preach. I pray, Lord, that wherever we go to hear preaching, that God would show up. That he would minister to our hearts and speak to us through his word. If all we do is open the word and read it, 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 it's enough for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, we are a needy people, and we've gathered for that purpose. So I pray that you'd fulfill that purpose today. And so, Lord, as we look at the scriptures, may we each plead with you to speak to us, move upon us. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was looking at our theme for this year, Add to Your Faith, and last week we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1 as we considered those thoughts, and in there, there's some very specific things that we're supposed to add to our faith, add to your faith virtue, and then we'll see several other things that we will look at over the coming months. But there was something that stirred in my heart last week, and it's continued throughout the week, that all of these things that we found in First Peter chapter, or sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, those divine and precious promises. Jesus said, I have given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And they all went back to a singular thing. They're all through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. Matthew chapter 11 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me. And as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is a sobering reminder that our focus must always be to preach Christ. If there's a need in this, converse, in this congregation, if there's a need in this congregation that exists, the number one need is you need to learn of Christ. Now you have other needs. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to put those down in any way. I understand there's other needs that we must minister to. There's other needs that you have in your life. We have families here grieving today at the loss of grandfathers. We have others that are, are thinking about a brother dying of cancer and desperately needs the gospel. And we are praying for many needs uh, throughout our congregation. But the number one need that exists is that we must have a knowledge of Christ. We must know him. We must learn of him. We sang this morning... There's coming a day. The choir sang a song called There's Coming a Day. We sang a song, What a Day That Shall Be. We sang a song, Jesus is Coming Again. But the truth is this, friend, none of you can have any of that if you don't know Christ. It is only through Jesus that any of that is possible. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Here's what I, in a very simplistic summary, here's something that God has shown me. Very, very simplistic. There's so much more to the Bible. But if, I were to, if you were to say, summarize the Bible in one sentence, I would maybe say it like this. The Bible is God's seeking of man. Then after man is found, it is man's seeking of God. You see, I am, as a sinner, we are lost we are undone. And we are hopeless without God. 
without Christ in our lives. But God sent his son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the author of Proverbs chapter 8 says, seek him early. So God has sent his son to seek us. The Bible says he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But once we enter into that relationship with him, it ought to be a pursuit of your life to seek God. Jesus said this way, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God is a seeker of you, but are you a seeker of him? God is a seeker of you, but are you a seeker of him? Do you rise up early in the morning? Do you seek him out in the word of God? Are you looking to find him? The Bible says very plainly, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. It is a two-way street as a relationship. Here's the wonderful thing. If you stop seeking him, he never stops seeking you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have the wonderful privilege of knowing God's presence in our life always. But are you seeking him? Here's an interesting thing we see in the Bible. If we go back to the life of Moses and we're reminded that Moses was that great prophet of God that God took from the backside of the desert and met him at a burning bush and he commissioned him to go into Egypt and to find his people and to bring them out of bondage. Moses brought them out of bondage and they came to the mount. And Moses went up into that mount and received the very law of God. And as he was returning, Moses met his brother there and they commented, I hear the sound of war in the camp. And one said, no, it's not the sound of war you hear. It's the sound of partying. And they returned and Aaron had made a calf. The people had rebelled against God. And thus it began a hot and cold relationship that Israel had with God. They had just crossed the Red Sea. They had just come out of Egypt and seen the many miracles of God and the plagues that God rained down upon. I'm, I'm not talking about uh, an individual healing in some home or some miracle that God did for some little house there in Goshen, but the entire nation experienced the, the very power and wrath of God. They crossed the Red Sea. They had seen firsthand. They had heard the rumblings in the top of the mountain that caused them to take pause. And now they were rebelling. This rebellion continued throughout the wilderness till they finally got to a point where God said, I'm not going. I will send my angel before and they will drive out the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and all the inhabitants of the land. But I'm not going. They are a stiff-necked people. And so I'm afraid if I go with them, I'll consume them in the way. And Moses said this, Lord, if you're not going, I don't want to go. If your presence doesn't go before us, I have no desire to go. I don't want to go. Please, and the Bible says the Lord repented himself. 
That doesn't mean he corrected a sin in his life. God is perfect and knows no sin. But because of the pleadings of his man, Moses, and God, he got a man that got a hold of God's heart that day, God decided that he would go for the sake of Moses. Later on, a little bit while longer, we see that Moses comes into the land of promise. And upon God's instruction, they built the tabernacle and the people all spread around there at Shiloh. They built this tabernacle and Moses would go in and meet with God. And the people would stand at the door of their tents and they would watch as the cloud would descend if it was daytime and the fire at night. And they'd stand facing that tabernacle as God would meet with Moses. And the Bible says that God spoke to Moses as a man speaks with his friend. An incredible thought. But in that tabernacle was a young man named Joshua. Moses was done speaking with God. and I, I, It seems like this happened on several occasions. God would meet with Moses. And Moses would take the mind of the people and pass it on, or the mind of God and pass it on to the people. But one day Joshua was left behind. And the Bible says if he departed not from the temple, the tabernacle. In other words, Joshua was saying if this is where God's presence is, this is where I'm staying. Why, why would I go dwell in some tent out there in the plain when I can be here in the presence of God? When I can hear the voice of God? Maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I'm risking my life listening to the, the very voice of God. And maybe I shouldn't be in this place. But I'm telling you what, there's nothing but blessing in being in this place when the presence of God is. Later on in Israel's history, we see that the ark is taken by the Philistines. The ark of the covenant, of course, was a, a symbol, but it symbolized the very presence of God among the people. They would carry it into battle. As they marched around Jericho, it went before the armies of God, and they carried it upon their shoulders. And you would have to think that people would stand upon that wall of Jericho and think, what is that thing that they carry before them? It had a crown all about it, a visible sign of royalty had the mercy seat upon it. It was covered in gold, a picture of the covering of our sins, purity. But it was the very presence of God that went before them. The Bible says that later on in a battle, the Philistines captured that and they went to return and get that ark, David and some men. And as they were returning home, the ox cart shifted in a ditch and it began to fall and a man put his hand up and he was... Killed immediately, he dropped dead. And so, to give themselves some time to figure out how can we please God in bringing this back, what is the proper way to do this, what is, the Bible calls it this, the, the due order. They turned aside into the home of a man named Obed-Edom. How many of you named, ever named your kid Obed-Edom? Isn't that something? What a name. We had a missionary one time that came through, and his son's name was Tobijah Obadiah. Pastor Masker said, well, hey, Toby, how are you going? The pastor and the missionary said, no, it's Tobijah Obadiah. Don't you call him Toby. I said, okay, he's not going to pass kindergarten, but whatever. Obed-Edom. 
The Bible says they turned aside and they placed it in Obed-Edom's house. You know what happened the next few months? Obed-Edom's house was blessed. God began to overwhelm him with his presence and things were just going so well for Obed-Edom that when David returned with a new card and began to take that ark out of there, Obed-Edom fell in behind with all his family. And they got back to, Jer- uh, to, uh, to Jerusalem at that time and, and he said, well, what do you need me to do? You need me to stand at the doorpost? I'll do that. You need me to play an instrument? You'll find in the Bible that Obed-Edom said, I can play an instrument. I can- Whatever I can do to get closer to the presence of God. I can do it. I don't know if he fudged his resume or not. Maybe he was the, the guy in the orchestra like sounded like those third graders playing their recorders. I don't know. But he said, I, hey, if I have to fake it, whatever I got to do, I know what God did when he was in my presence. I want to get near him again. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6, That God gave him a vision. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Sitting upon his throne in the temple. He said there was seraphims and angels flying around singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all Isaiah could do was fall on his face and say, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And an angel took a coal from off that fire that was burning around the throne and he placed it upon his lips and he purged and cleansed him. And then all Isaiah could say is, here my Lord, send me. Uh, What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that over and over again in the Bible we see uh, occasions that the presence of God makes an absolute difference in the life of a man. It changes a man's life forever. Here's the sad reality. When Jesus came along, he stood on a hillside above Jerusalem and he wept. And he says, you're all scattered like sheep that have no shepherd. All have gone astray. Nobody is seeking the presence of God. Nobody is looking to get with God anymore. Oh, there's a few exceptions. There was a man named Zacchaeus who had heard all that Christ said done. I'd heard years ago Dr. Roy Thompson preach a great message and he wondered aloud in that message, maybe Zacchaeus going house to house was finding in different places that this, this lady could not pay her taxes because her son had just died. This man had no way to earn a living and pay his taxes because he was blind. And another had a withered hand and so he couldn't work and make any money so he could no longer pay Zacchaeus anything. But then maybe later Zacchaeus came back to that widow's house a year later and a young strapping lad answers the door. And the widow of Nain was given back her son because of Jesus. And the man with withered hand was now working and supplying for his family. And so he gave uh, what was owed to Zacchaeus. And the blind man now seeing was secured in a home and was able to pay his taxes. And Zacchaeus began to wander in his heart. So he ran up into that sycamore tree. 
because he wanted to see this Christ. There are some that still seek. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 17, seek and you'll find. And Zacchaeus found the Lord. And the Lord fixed his eyes upon him. And we sing the little children's song, I'm going to your house for tea. I don't even know if they had tea back then. I noticed that they sing it different now. I'm going to your house today, they say. Maybe they always did, and I just messed it up as a kid. I don't know. But it resonates in my heart that Jesus said, I want to go to your house, Zacchaeus. Why, why did Jesus want to go to Zacchaeus' house? Because Zacchaeus was seeking him. The Lord had been looking for him all along. Jesus came to seek and to save people just like Zacchaeus. And now Zacchaeus was looking for him. We're reminded of another lady in John chapter 10. The Bible says that she pushed through the crowd and she'd been to many doctors over the years and exhausted all her resources. But she thought, if I could just get to Jesus and touch his hem, I'll be healed. And in that press of that crowd, Jesus turned and said, who touched me? And the disciples thought he was crazy. What do you mean, who touched you, Lord? There's, everybody's pushing. And his eyes fixed on that lady, and she stood there and said, it was me. But immediately, my issue, I could feel strength in my body. You see, among a multitude of people that were scattered as sheep having no shepherd, there were still some that sought him. There were ones that laid at the pool of Bethesda, I had never thought about this before. I heard a preacher, Tony Shirley, preach on this. And he said, I, I want you to think about this, this pool of Bethesda. When the angel would come and stir those waters, whoever could get there first. And that man that laid there impotent from his birth, he even expressed to others, there's no man to help me. And so every time the angel stirs the waters, many others get there before me. I don't know how many years he had sat there, but he was always beaten to the water every single time. Brother Shirley made this point. You know, Jesus had to walk by all kinds of other people that were waiting by that pool just to get to that one. And he said, what was the difference? God knew that there was something about that man that says, I'm seeking after the Lord. I'm looking for help. Others might have been trusting in the pool, as was this man, but this man knew that his help would eventually come from the Lord. I just want to ask you this morning, are you seeking him like that? You say, why? I, I, I remember a time when God's presence was so real. We talk about his presence. We talk about his promised presence. Well, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And we, we just claim that. Almost like, God, you have to do this because you said so. We're having church. God, we're having church tomorrow at 1030. Make sure you check the bulletin and show up. I mean, honestly, that's sometimes how we treat God. How you can't work God up. You have to call God down. We have to be a people of prayer. We have to seek him. He says, seek me early that I may be found. 
I'm talking about a relationship. So, honestly, some of you just look at the bulletin and say, well, we're meeting with the Lord at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Hey, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. We need to stop talking about his promised presence and start realizing his manifest presence. God is real. And he wants to be intimately, you say all oh, this, this, this hocus pocus acts, book of acts stuff, hey. God is not a man that he should lie. His hand is not shortened. He is not slack concerning his promises. The reason you serve a powerless God is because he's a God of your creating. That's not the God of the Bible. Somehow we got this idea that God is millions of miles away in this place called heaven. Here's what I know. I, I flew one time on the way to Africa. I landed in London, England. I think it's six, six and a half. Do you ever stop there on your way to Ireland? Do you have to stop in London, Heathrow? Six, six and a half hour flight from Toronto, Hamilton. I flew from Toronto. Six and a half hours I can be in London. And I can go up to Buckingham Palace and I can knock on the door all I want. I'm probably not going to get in. Right? I mean, you, you could tell them all kinds of things. Well, come on, my grandmother's name Elizabeth too. We, we got all this in common. They don't care. They'd shoot you dead. You try to step a foot. You think those soldiers, they don't move, right? You try stepping a foot in. They'll move. They'll, they'll tackle you and they'll kill you. They're going to protect her. You want, you want to try something even more fun? Go over to Iran and try to walk in on the Ayatollah. Oh, man. Adam's been in the military. He, he'll tell you what will happen. They'll, they'll shoot you dead. Probably before you get off the plane. I, I'm just saying, what other king can you walk right boldly into the throne room? God is not millions of miles away. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can go boldly to the throne of grace. We can stand right before him at any moment. We can spiritually bow our heads right now and instantly transport ourselves into the throne room of grace and find mercy to help in the time of need. But are we seeking him? Are we looking for him? They say, oh, I, you know, I pray and I pray and I never find God. The Bible says, seek him and he shall be found. He's not hiding. It's not a game of Marco Polo. You know what that is? One kid says Marco and the other says Polo and you try to find each other in the dark. That's not what God's doing. He's a personal, intimate God. I, I'm, I'm working on a sermon. I don't want to give it all away. But in Genesis chapter 4, right at the end of the chapter, Seth had a son named Enos. There's another good name, Enos. And it says, in those days, man began to call upon the name of the Lord. Think about this. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that the believers were called Christians first in Antioch. And so that's the title we've run with. We're Christians or we're believers or we're followers of Christ or we've got all kinds of titles. Before that, the people of God were the Jews. But before the Jews were around, do you know what they were called? The people who called upon the name of the Lord. And God in his mercy, do you know what he did that very moment? He began to say this. Call upon me and I'll show you great and wondrous things. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, God just humbled himself and became a man. And over and over in the Bible, he says, call upon me, call upon me, call upon me. Why? Because the people said, we're ones who call upon God. He said, all right, if that's what you want to call yourselves, fine. Call upon me. Seek me and I shall be found. Our theme for this year is spiritual growth. Add to your faith. You know the best way to add to your faith? Is get along with God. Seek him. I'm going to be honest. I could, I could start in Genesis 1-1, go to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. We could teach every verse of the Bible this year. I could bring in some of the greatest scholars in Christendom, and we could, we could just continuously, day and night, preach and teach the Bible over and over again. And by the way, the Word of God will not return void. It'll have a great impact. But friends, your hearts have to be in tune. You have to be seeking God. John, the revelator, and I, I may preach this tonight, said this, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And never did a man learn so much in one day as John the revelator did on that day. Most of the books of the Bible were written over hundreds of years and over a period of time and over a, a lifespan of 30 years. We, we see them recording the life of Christ and we see all kinds of things that are written. Some are shorter. There are epistles that were written to churches and Paul would sit down with a scribe and write those in maybe a few hours. But John the Revelator wrote 22 chapters in one vision. Never did a man learn so much as a man that said, I was in the Spirit. I was in the spirit. He says, what, what's he saying? I'm seeking God. He didn't say, I have the spirit. Because you all have the spirit if you're saved today. He said, I'm in the spirit. God is seeking me and now I'm seeking him. I'm walking on the shores of this isle of Patmos and I'm communing with the Lord and I'm having a relationship with God and I'm in the spirit of God. And that's when God began to move. Somebody told me the other day, I don't, I don't know why, they said, but I, I got thinking about our revival meetings. And I, boy, I just think I need to start praying about our revival meetings in March. Yeah, we do. But do you know who you need to pray for? You need to pray for yourself. God, turn my heart to seek after you. I want your manifest presence in my life. I want to walk and I want to talk with you daily. I want to know that you're there. And what's he say in Proverbs chapter 8? Verse 17, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early, here's your promise, shall find me. Shall find me. I'll just say this and I'll be done. John the Baptist when he was preaching 
the kingdom of heaven and repentance of sins. Some people got upset. I said, you know that fellow you baptized? He is now baptizing more disciples than you are. And John's response was this. He must increase, but I must decrease. That ought to be the motto of our lives. He must increase and I must decrease. Let he that glorieth glory in the Lord. We have nothing to be proud of. He must increase and I must decrease. Here's the first step. The more you seek him, the more he'll increase in your life. The more precious he'll become. The more important he will be. But you have to seek him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet? The instruments are going to begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, the altar's open even now. Are you seeking God? I'm not talking about just at church. In your daily walk. When you open the Bible, listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with reading the Bible. I, I mean, just open the Bible and read. It's so good for you. It's healthy. It's helpful. But when you open your Bible, do you say to yourself, God, let me see you. Let me know you better. Let me, let me draw closer to you in this time. Are you seeking him? When you pray, can you picture that throne room? Never, never has been a throne room on earth that you can just walk into with a full invitation. Are you seeking him? Brother Baker's going to sing a hymn, If God Has Spoke to Your Heart. Would you come? Let me ask you this. Do you know Christ as your Savior? He's been seeking you. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. He left the splendors of heaven just to find you, to shed his blood for your sins, to take your place. Just understand, I mean, there's so much we could say about this. Just understand this. We have all missed God's mark. We've all fallen short of his perfection. We are sinners. We are not perfect. And because of our sin, there is a punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But God, in his mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take your place. He paid the price for your sin. And if you'll just trust him, you can have eternal life. So I don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. It's called grace. You don't have to worry about it if you allow him to take your place. But it has to be an act of faith, trusting him to be your savior. And then believer, once you know him and he has put his spirit into your life, he wants you to seek him with all your heart. It ought to be the very passion of our souls to to know him. The Bible says to know him is to know the power of his resurrection. That we have divine and precious promises through the knowledge of him. He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. It all comes back to knowing Christ.
And that relationship just empowers your life and infuses something into you that cannot be explained but God. Let's sing this chorus together. If God has spoke to your heart, if you want to pray with somebody, if you'd like somebody to show you from a Bible how you can know Jesus, just step out and meet me down here at the front.